0: Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Hester Wilson. I'm a GP working in Sydney. This afternoon, I'm really fortunate to be able to have a chat to Dr. Kate Fennessy, who is a senior clinical psychologist working in Southeast Sydney Gamble Aware. Now, there are organisations funded by Gamble Aware around New South Wales. So, check your local area to see how you can access that organisation if you're outside Sydney. But look, gambling... As a GP, I know that many people have a bit of a gamble and it's not a problem, but for some it causes real hardship and real harm. But I think that sometimes I don't actually manage it as well as I could. And I've been thinking back through some of the patients that I've seen over time, and I'm really really pleased I have the wonderful Kate Fennessy here to chat so that she can tell me how I can do this better in my general practice setting. So welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: A pleasure. Thank you, Hester.
0: I'll do my best. And it is a
1: tricky area clinically.
0: So first up, I'm just thinking back to a guy that I saw a while ago who'd been dragged in basically by his wife. You know, the classic thing, the middle-aged guy who never comes to the doctor, whose wife goes, mate, you've got to go. And so he comes and he goes, oh, look, you know, I'm okay. The wife's just giving me a bit of a hard time. I've been a bit tired and a bit fatigued and a bit stressed at work. You know, I've got a few money issues going on, but really it's okay. Look, I just reckon if you give me a couple of sleeping tablets, I'll be right. So Kate, first of all, I don't know if gambling's an issue for this guy. You know, I'm thinking there's something going on here that this guy and he's, you know, age 45 is being pushed to come into the doctor by his wife. But how do I ask him about whether gambling is an issue for him?
1: You know, it's really tricky, isn't it? I think like with other addictions, people can be in two minds about whether or not they'd like to cut down or stop for a really, really long time. And actually a lot of harms can happen in that time while they're deciding. Of course, a lot of people gamble throughout their lives with little to no ill effect as well so I think um, it's really fortunate that we're able to have this conversation about how to open up tricky conversations into what is actually still quite a stigmatized mental health condition you know people might not realize that they can have this conversation with their GPs and that there is help out there or indeed that it is a mental health condition at all so it's a really good question I think GPs are experts themselves in Having difficult conversations and sensitive conversations with their patients. But sometimes you just have to grab the bull by the horns and just ask the question about whether or not this is an issue for them. And also, they might not have so much insight into it being a problem. So it's also good to kind of go around the other direction and say, look, you know, your wife's asked you to come in today. What would her top three concerns be? If she was here, what would she tell us? Because it might be that friends and family, you know, have those canary in the mind or they're able to see that this is an issue and the person themselves might might be the last to really be clued on to that.
0: So if I'm going to ask him directly, what should I say?
1: <laughs> to put words in everyone's mouth? You know, I think sometimes it's good to be direct and just say, look, sometimes you, you could catch it with some context and you can say sometimes when people have financial issues and some of these things that you're mentioning, we like to think about behaviours that might be... problem so one of the things that we think about is for example problem gambling do you gamble and has gambling ever been an issue for you that's just an example of
0: a way to ask directly so when I asked him that he said oh occasionally I have a bit of a gamble Mm -hmm. not really a problem
1: yeah that's right and and that could be the case it depends on the person and your clinical judgment and your relationship with that person, how you'd like to continue on with that conversation. But you could open it up to something where you're actually pushing a little bit and asking about the, the friends and family. Would anyone else in your life say that this is an issue for you? You could actually go into some formal measures, and some of them are very brief, just to sort of try and get a little bit more context around it, how and when he gambles. Does he think it contributes to the financial problems that he's experiencing or to the sleep issue? You know, you could ask about it in terms of mental health or a lifestyle assessment. Yeah, I do think it's one area in which, you know, we're not mind readers. It's really hard to know, isn't it? But sometimes this might be a hard one for people to disclose. So I wouldn't on face value just throw that out as uh, being a, a differential and just dismiss it. You might just want to keep it on your radar, something to approach
0: later on. I mean, certainly for us in general practice, quite often we're time poor and you can Mm. bet your bottom dollar that this kind of stuff comes up on a busy afternoon when you're running late and there's always screaming kids in the waiting room waiting to see you. Uh, You know, so the idea that it's quite quick and easy, you know, so something where you can just, so he said, look, Doc, it's not a problem. And so you don't want to say that you doubt him, but you do want to just flag that you are aware that gambling can be an issue. So, so how might you kind of just continue that conversation if you've got someone that said out of my face, doc? It's so tricky. I think GPs are so time poor, and you're
1: you're given the unenviable job of really screening for everything at once and trying to keep that picture open when you're you're so pressed for multiple different demands. So I know that feeling, and it's it's not a good one. So he sort of said, look, that's not the issue. I just want this outcome. So you might just be wanting to give him a little bit of education about, you know, if it ever does become an issue, these are some of the things you might want to look for to know that it's, it's becoming an issue perhaps. And, you know, there's help available if it ever does concern you. And maybe that's your outcome. Maybe that's the opener that you need and that that person needs. And sometimes it, it takes a few conversations to get that person there to take it further.
0: And I know GPs listening to this will be, as GPs, thinking more generally and thinking, well, this guy's fatigued, his wife's worried about him. As you said before, Kate, what's going on with his mental health? And maybe it is that this is him getting to know you and, and starting to feel like he has a therapeutic alliance so that he can come back. So that what you've done is you've, you've opened it. You've said it's okay to talk to me about this. This is part of my role when you're ready, come on back.
1: I don't think we can underestimate that. You know, that fact that you've just given it that time, even if it's 30 seconds, where you've shown that person that non-judgmental stance to say, you know what, we can have this conversation. I'm not going to judge you. And it's using non-judgmental language and open attitude. It doesn't take long, but it can really make a difference in somebody's outcomes. This being quite a stigmatized area, and I know I keep saying that, but sometimes people might think, I'm doing a behavior, they might not link that to something that's a mental health condition or, you know, something that's treatable. They might just think it's a character flaw or something that's their fault that they're, they're doing that. And, you know, that can be very damaging and it can lead to a lot of shame and a lot of difficulty with having a conversation about this. So I don't think we can underestimate just that moment around saying, if this is ever a problem, just come on back, you know, mm-hmm. I'd be happy to talk further with you about this. That's a major thing.
0: Absolutely. So just thinking about another patient of mine, and this was a patient who actually came in and said, I am really struggling. I'm really stressed. I've lost my job. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. You know, I've actually been gambling. And I keep thinking, if I just have one more gamble, I'll win, you know, because I had some good wins. It's just like, I just can't stop. And I, I see the damage that it's doing. I don't know what to do, doc how would you respond to that? How would you suggest that I respond to that as a GP? I think I, the first
1: instinct that I have when you, when you describe that person is just really validating the fact that they're bringing this to you. It's hard to talk about. And I think it's a really helpful thing that they're, they're bringing it to their GP and saying, I'm struggling. The other thing that can be really hard to keep as the clinician is hope. So I just want to say that all those GPs out there, there's really good treatment out there. The treatment works. It has excellent outcomes for those that stay in the treatment. The treatment is cognitive behavioural therapy mostly or variations on that. And it's free and very confidential. So there are places that you can refer that person to. And I want you to have that hope that it can often feel like quite an overwhelming situation because financial problems just touch every part of the person's life and really lead to poor mental health. And gambling is very, very stressful. And there's often lots of comorbidities happening in that person's life when they've reached that point. So I'm hoping that GPs can really feel empowered that there is something that they can do and, and, you know, they can help that client
0: Mm. take the next step. So for someone like this patient who's come in saying this is an issue, they're asking for help. As a GP, I can be very positive and very upbeat and very hopeful and say, fantastic, good on you for coming in. I can refer you to experts, to treatments that work, that are going to make a difference. And
1: of course, the person might not want that, (laughs) but it's good for them to know that those things exist. They might just want to talk to you about it for a little while. Um, They might not feel ready, but there are lots of other different options that they can look at as well. Of course, I work in a service that's a specialist service. And so I would really encourage GPs to make that referral. You want your clients to feel ready to do that and sort of to know what to expect.
0: There is a period of time when they're saying, I do have an issue but maybe I'm not quite ready to do something about it now. And that can be a really hard thing as a GP because you look at them and you go, you're telling me this is a problem. It's destroyed your relationships. You've lost your job. You've wasted lots of money. You know, you've got big debts, but you're not going to do anything about it now. Like how how do we as GPs have that conversation or hold on to the hopefulness in that situation? Uh, you're describing something that often happens where there's that dissonance where you think you just told me all these problems.
1: <laughs> How can you still be holding on? But that is actually the nature of gambling. That's a really normal presentation. You know, in gambling, the winds are very, very loud and their losses add up, but they're silent. So the winds are so attractive that people just want to have that one more chance to just make things right. and. You know, often they're thinking about the, the bottom line that the finance is trying to solve the financial problems by gambling again and placing more bets. So in, in that context, it can sort of make sense that someone wants to hang on to it. So people can come along and see a psychologist in one of these services or, or a counsellor. And, you know, they don't have to be 100% convinced that they want to stop when they walk in the door. It's just about having a conversation with somebody who's got that um, specialist knowledge to assist them to make the decision that's going to be best for them. And sometimes that can be, you know, people come along and they, and they say, I'm not ready to stop. I would like to cut down. I wouldn't like this aspect. I would like to be able to control it. And we can give them some education about how likely that is or, or you know, do an experiment with them or sort of help them to manage some of the really negative effects. Mm. It can, as a GP, I imagine it can feel quite acute sometimes, some of these presentations, you can think, wow, there's so many moving parts here. And when people don't have things like stable shelter or, you know, there's domestic violence happening, you know, there are lots of things to keep in In mind as a GP Um, and of course managing that risk will be the primary thing I
0: think I've Mm -hmm. gone off piste a bit talking about that but it is important because that is one of the things for us that we'll see the person who's gambling who's drinking too much who's homeless and it's kind of like well you can send them to a specialist gambling centre but there's all this other stuff yes and the the person's
1: right in front of me now and you know this is an opportunity so it's it's not just about that referral but that that referral is very important but the other things sometimes they're they're more acute aren't they?
0: Yeah, But but I think the other thing is just there's a little bit of self-soothing that we need to do around understanding that this is a chronic condition and it's going to take time and we can always be a force for good and support, but we can't solve it all for them.
1: If you think about somebody who's addicted to pokey machines, for example, they might have pressed that button on that machine hundreds of thousands of times in a year and it becomes quite automatic and people can be quite perplexed when they do have that conversation with you. I don't know how I've ended up here. I don't know how I took the decision to start gambling and have continued, despite bad things happening in my life, they've become very trained and these machines, and I'm using that just as an example, there are lots of different types of gambling, but they're inherently very addictive. So people can be really confused about how they have ended up in the situation. There's a certain degree of automaticity about it. And it does take time to undo some of those pathways. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I think coming to see somebody you know it's not just about one conversation you sort of want to have it over time as you said Hester
0: and and as you were saying before Kate that experience of just feeling so shamed and like I'm a weak person and how have I done this is the way that I would respond to that is I get it this is really hard but let's look towards change let's look towards the future and doing this differently and leaving you know that shame doesn't actually get you very far
1: But talking about it, I think, is a direct way to start to break down. And things like, you know, these podcasts is is helping people to kind of get their heads around breaking down the shame. Because I think other addictions, drugs and alcohol, they were maybe feeling like this last decade, you know, in terms of the degree of stigma and the shame around them. And gambling still has that degree of stigma around it where it can feel like a moral failing to the person who's experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And it's just not the case. Um, And we know that. But you might see that in people presenting that Mm. internalised
0: stigma can still feature. And and I, I think the other thing, Kate, when I think about it, having worked in general practice for way too many years, asking about gambling hasn't been core to what I do you know I do all the other lifestyle stuff but perhaps it's a bit of a new thing for us in general practice to be thinking and as you said before we have to ask about everything but it certainly is something that I in the past probably haven't asked enough and you know if you don't ask you don't know so none of my patients have gambling issues but if you do ask you're gonna find it And I know I have had
1: GPs say to me, oh, look, what, and what else do we need to ask for, you know, but you could ask it in a sort of more general sense sometimes. You could say, are there any things that are concerning you, any behaviours, for example, mm-hmm. gambling? Because we know that that kind of repetitive problematic behaviours, that they are some of the new front of what uh, mental health is experiencing, especially in these COVID times. There might be a lot of things that uh, people are, are engaging in that are unhelpful to them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it can feel overwhelming, I imagine, as a mm. GP having to screen for absolutely everything. And, and sometimes there are ways that you can work around that if you have, you know, a screen or on your wall or something. Uh, but I wouldn't want that to replace the conversation. Yeah.
0: Look, I'm just thinking of another patient of mine who, who came in as the partner of a gambler. And look, that's a really common thing. I find family members coming in because they're concerned about their loved ones. And so so in, in this case, you know, he'd been hiding it from her and remortgaged the house. And, you know, she was, just felt so betrayed, loved this man, but was at the point where she was thinking, I, I'm not sure I can stay in this relationship. I am so angry and so hurt that he has done this. Yeah. Once again, how can I respond to that as a GP? What can I offer?
1: Mm, Well, I think, again, probably the listening ear is the most important and valuable thing. And sometimes we want to jump into action mode, especially when you're time pressed, as you said. (laughs) But actually, that conversation, just being able to air that is very valuable. Unfortunately, we live and work in one of the places where these types of difficulties are are their most common in the world. So there will be, you know, for every person who has a problem with gambling, there will be multiple other people affected in their life. I think for me, one of the things that I always want to say to them if it comes up is that it's really not their fault, that there's nothing that they could have or should have done. It's actually a very difficult thing unless it's disclosed to you. You know, it's not like other addictions and that the wheels might start to come off a little earlier. You know, if someone's got difficulties with drinking alcohol, you might be able to see that a bit earlier than you, you can with gambling. People can hide it for a very long time. And the problem can get very, very severe before sometimes it's disclosed, or maybe it wasn't disclosed, and and that person found out in another way. And it can feel like a huge betrayal. So that's one of the things I think that it, that it isn't their fault, and also perhaps that it's worthwhile again getting some assistance with a specialist service to talk about all different. You know, what is treatment? How, you, how are you feeling in your relationship? To work through what can be almost a grief process, thinking about the relationship that you felt like you had, and. And working through the grief of of this realization as well as maybe some practical things about referrals to legal services or what not to think about your superannuation or some of these details that might seem again outside of the remit of your traditional GP training but it's very very important I suppose to think about balancing protecting myself and and knowing what my options are and also how much hope do I have and you know if I want to stay in this relationship
0: how, how can that happen. So, so Gamble Aware can provide counselling and support for family members. Yes, we do provide specialist assessment and treatment
1: for people experiencing problem gambling, but also some support for people who a loved one is having a problem with gambling and they need some support around that. Yeah. And that can be quite a short, it can just be one conversation. They might just have one question, you know, shall I give him money to fix this problem or whatever it might be. Or they might need, you know, a really a longer degree of support and they might want to have lots of different conversations about this issue and work through the process and, and we have the availability to, to help them do that too.
0: So, Kate, gamble aware, who can access that service?
1: Anyone who has a problem with gambling, different areas will have slightly different criteria. Most of the time it's over 16, 16s and over. And you might think, oh, well, I mean, gambling's not not often legal, regulated forms of gambling not legal for people who are under 18 but in actual fact sometimes you might be seeing people who are accessing you know online forms of gambling and i actually think that this conversation is quite timely because during covid the rates of losses for online gambling really went through the roof so it might be that you might be seeing unfortunately youth and sometimes even kids who are having difficulties um, with gambling whether it be gaming related gambling or something like that so basically it's um, 16s and over and it's anyone who is a resident of New South Wales. That doesn't mean that they have to have Medicare or anything like that. Well that's
0: fantastic. So Kate just you kind of your take-homes you know you, you know once again coming back to the fact that we as GPs are, are time poor. What would be the core things that you'd want me as a GP to take away from this conversation to be able to use in my in my GP setting? I just think for you as a GP, I'd really
1: like you to know, as I said before, that this is a treatable condition. And I, I really hope that it's on GP's radars as well as something that for, for some presentations, all roads might lead to this underlying problem with gambling. And I, I would like it to be on some of the screening questions that, that GPs tend to ask because it's more common than we think, unfortunately. I also sort of want GPs to know that if they've seen somebody for a very long time and they haven't picked this up, again, that's not their fault. It can be quite discouraging as a GP, as a clinician who knows a patient for a long time to find that they've had this this huge problem and they haven't been able to see it. It's a very difficult thing to see if the person's not disclosed that to you. I do want GPs to know that people can be pre-contemplative. They cannot realise that they've had this problem or that this is causing this difficulty in their life. For a very long time before bringing it there's specialist free confidential highly accessible treatment available and that the treatment's effective and i think gps probably need to know that if they're going to make a referral they'll, they'll really want to know that they're they're on that right pathway and at the moment there's no medication that's the gold standard sort of for treatment is it's talking therapy so yeah. i would like them to wherever possible give their patients that information about the referral process and make that referral if the patient's ready for that.
0: So what I'm hearing from that is I need to ask. I need to ask patients about it. Make it part of my lifestyle assessments that I do and know that there are effective talking therapies that are free, easily accessible and that will work, that this is a treatable condition. So, it, you know, for me as a GP, Cordo, it is asking the question. And when I find it out, it's it's giving hope and referring to those those services and continuing to support my patient, of course. But I don't have to do the bulk of this work. You guys are going to do it for me, which is just <laughs> that's brilliant. That's right.
1: And another key thing is that it's confidential because I confidential. think that's always important. But particularly in this setting, it is highly confidential and we're very yeah. careful about patient information. Mm important to know as well that often this is the first time they're having a conversation about their gambling problem you know they might have never had a conversation with anyone else and other people in their life might not know that they struggle with this so I think the GP relationship is such a valuable one if they're bringing that to the relationship with their clinician then that's a really valuable thing so I know that you're time pressed as GPs but I really I really hope that there's some time and some space given to if if people are presenting with gambling related issues.
0: Yeah, look, certainly it's really clear, and I know for my patients, but it's also in the literature. Our patients trust us as GPs. They really do. Absolutely, they really do. Look, thank you so much, Kate. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation. And thank you so much for sharing your your wisdom and your expertise with us. Now, I do know that some GPs really like screening tools, you know, so validated measures. And there are some links in the show notes attached to this podcast for those that are interested to take a look at those. Kate, thank you so much for your time today. It's been terrific. Really enjoyed it. And look, everybody out there, just remember gambling is an issue that we do see in general practice. It's okay to ask about it. Our patients are okay with us asking, you know, and just think through the options, you know, starting that conversation. They might not be quite ready for it yet, but you can open that conversation so that when they're ready they can come back but really importantly more than anything else gamble aware is available around new south wales confidential low cost available to everybody over the age of 16 in new south wales whether you have a medicare card or not so really great for us as gps to be able to help our patients access that and we can continue to support them as they go through that treatment please visit the gamble aware website www.gambleaware dot nsw.gov.au or call one 858 We've also put this information in the description of the podcast. So thanks so much everybody. Look after yourselves. Stay safe, stay sane.